Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Well, thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. Um, we've got some news, which I have mentioned in previous podcasts, but I'm so keen for you, everybody, to um, to have access to it. It's on Kindle. So we're launching the Journal of Biophilic Design as uh, an online page-turnable magazine. Um, so please go along to your Kindle and, um, and download it. Um, you can order it there. There's also a hardback copy, which is full colour, um, or printed on beautiful high-end quality paper so that's a real kind of keepsake um, and it's over 100 pages 130 odd pages um, and and there's everything about from plants to cityscapes to rewilding yourself which we're going to talk about in a minute um, <laughs> um, and, um, and and so much more as well the science behind biophilic design and and lots of different aspects as well as, as case studies and um, a theme is the workplace this this month. So um, please do come and look, subscribe oh. to the to the um, uh, on the website uh, to the newsletter. There's a free newsletter, um, or um, feel free to email me as well. So, but but here we are today. We are really well. I'm really excited to be joined by uh, Mary Reynolds Thompson, um, and uh, some of you might already know her. Um, she's founder of the concept uh, Live Your Wild Soul Story. Um, we're going to be talking about the transformational effect of nature has on us, um, you know, also including um, how you can start living your, you know, the the the, the life you dream of. So um, before I go on to anything else, Mary, hello, welcome. <laughs> oh, Ness, good to be with you. <laughs> that's that's really great. Um, you're going to tell us about your um, new book that you've got out as well, Wild Soul Woman, um, which is going to be a stunning book, um, and that's out. And I'm, I'm going to put a link on the blurb that accompanies the podcast. So um, anyway, I'm I'm not going to waffle on anymore. So uh, Mary, <laughs> um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, about what you do, please. Yeah, I'd be delighted. So, um, you know, I, I wear many hats. I'm, <clears throat> you know, author, but I'm also a facilitator of poetry therapy. And that's key because that was sort of the portal into the work that I do, which is using earth archetypes and nature metaphors to open up the wild landscapes that live within us. It's about really bridging that false divide between the wildness outside and the wildness inside. And so for me, you know, I always ask this question is, you know, can we rewild the world if we don't rewild ourselves first? It seems to me that we need to really begin to deepen our connection with the natural world if we're going to come up with the kinds of solutions not only for our own lives but for the whole that are aligned with the principles of nature which is the system <laughs> and the systems that know how to live collaboratively sustainably and all the things that we really long for but for me language is potent um, so it's really when we reshift our language, when we start really absorbing and integrating these incredible earth archetypes of these landscapes, these landscape archetypes, these natural metaphors, we begin to start stirring something very ancient and primal within ourselves, which is this connection 
to nature. We we are nature. You know, people forget that. <laughs> we are the earth in human form, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and we've completely lost the thread of that story. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to talk about how you do yeah. that. I yeah. think we are, aren't we? We, are, we? If we're not, we're going to. We, we should talk about it. <laughs> we should talk <laughs> about <laughs> it. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, I really, I, I love that idea that you know about rewilding. You know, we talk about as you said, rewilding the planet, rewilding mm -hmm. nature, ever rewilding the cities and the towns and. And you know, in our sort of neighborhoods and, and things. But yeah, how can we do that if we're not rewilding ourselves? You know, there, there's got to be an element of freedom um within our spirit as well and our soul, um, in order to be able to do it effectively and really to understand the effect it's gonna have. And then you'll be passionate about it, presumably, and, and really be doing it for the right reasons and you know, make it achievable, I suppose. So yeah, I mean, I I think when you begin to understand that um, nature and what we're doing to nature just mirrors what we're doing to our own psyches and souls. Mm. So, for example, let me give you a very, you know, if you think about a raised forest, it's absolutely devastating, right? Mm. And in so many ways, we are felling our most fecund creative aspects of who we are. So we're not just cutting down forests, we're cutting down creativity, diversity, um, all, you know, rootedness, a sense of belonging, all of those different things. So it isn't as though what we're doing to the earth is unrelated what we're doing to our own psyches and souls. And I think it's really important to recognize that mm. is, and as we diminish the natural world, we're also diminishing our own capacity to feel that full aliveness that comes when we really realize that deep kinship we have with all of life. Mm. So um, we're not just hurting the planet. We're hurting ourselves in very deep and profound ways. I was on a panel um, with, it was a nature connection panel a few years ago, and they had brought a school class to, to listen to what we had to say. And one of the kids put up his hand and he asked this question that sort of stilled the whole atmosphere. He said, did we think that spending all this time indoors with computers was actually increasing the rate of suicide amongst children. And you, as I say, you could just sort of hear the hush. And, you know, finally, this is what I responded. I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that has been measured. I really don't know the answer to that. But I also know that if we spend our lives indoors, on computers, on our iPhones, all of this, it will not bring us happiness. And if we can spend our time outdoors with our friends in real life, touch, you know, connection, play, conversation in and amongst the meadows and the trees and all of this, you have a really good chance of happiness. And I believe that so deeply. And of course, many others do too, which is why forest schools are, are springing up and all kinds of things. But I think there is this real recognition 
that the way we are living now alienates us from the living planet, from each other, and from our own actual soul, psyche, authenticity, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, absolutely. As um, I guess it was profound, isn't it? You know, a young child saying, you know, asking <sighs> that. I mean, yeah. it's obviously that they've either read it somewhere or there's a recognition somewhere, but either way, that's like, you know, that's, that's a profound question to ask for them to be thinking about. You know, that's obviously... And they're right. realizing that there's another way, that there's got to be a different way, if you know what I mean. They must. Right. So, so I suppose really then, um, you know, we've, we've sort of spoke about like, you know, cutting ourselves off from it. Um, yeah. I am going to ask you about your, your where you came from and, you know, not, not where you came from. I, mean, I, sort of, I know we, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different sort of podcast. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, on, on the flip side, then, presumably, the more connected we are with nature and the more when we're surrounded by nature and our built environment, then we're happier. We're more connected to ourselves. Is that kind of what your your yeah. philosophy is, really? Then? Yeah, I think it is. And I, I don't think it's just a philosophy. I think more and more now, which is really, really good, is that they're proving that time in nature really heals you emotionally psychologically and of course physically because you're in your body you're moving all of these things mm. and um you know i mean even the effects are lasting it's not just while you're in walking forest bathing that that you are feeling better but they've shown that that has an accumulative benefit mm. so if you spend a few hours over a weekend somewhere beautiful in a park whatever that's actually going to extend into your week into the stresses of the week so it's lovely that science is coming in to support what most of us thought duh <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> obvious right that we are happier I mean you just have to go to the beach and watch kids and dogs and people playing to know that there's a lot of happiness around right so but it's it's fabulous that we're now being able to really verify that and it's ironic because I live <laughs> the place I live now is in Marin <laughs> County California and um, very close to Silicon Valley which of course is the hub of the big tech companies they're the ones who are sending their children off for weeks in the summer to go play. They are the ones who are limiting time on the internet, et cetera, et cetera, playing video games. So, you know, I, I think there's some irony and also uh, for me, a little discomfort around that because of they can afford to put these things in place for many, many reasons, but they know mm. You know, they they know the detrimental effects of um, kids not having time to play and just imagine yeah. and be creative without this going on all the time. Absolutely. I mean, what yeah. is it about nature that's really enabling and, and transformational What for, for you? What is it? What's the sort of aspect of it that's that's kind of, you know? Well, you know, it's really interesting. I, I think on so many different levels, I could answer that question, you know. So the level that first came to mind was this one. So it's the one I'll offer is she was our first mother. I mean, many of us were lucky enough to grow at a time, grow up at a time where we could crawl in the garden, eat dirt, smell, mm. and we felt safe 
and at home, the fragrance, it's sensory, it's, it's a complete sort of enfolding and a comfort of being um, held by this amazing being. We feel the warmth of the earth or the cold of the earth, almost like the heartbeat of the mother. And so a great deal of security and happiness comes from that. But when we understand, I mean, for all of human history, we lived in the main outdoors, right? So this is just part of our lineage and you can't just cut it off. Mm. It's just, it's, you know, we don't lose that desire. Mm. You know, I talk a lot about what I call the shadow wild, um, which is, I think that, um, disconnection from nature because it leaves such a gaping chasm inside of us Mm. that we tend to want to fill it with whatever is at hand which is all kinds of stimulations addictions you know crazy behavior because we want to feel alive you know this is what joseph campbell the great mythologist said is there is more than anything humans want to feel alive well most of us feel very alive when we are out in the natural world in a way that we do not (laughs) sitting in offices or you know in front of the telly or whatever it is that we're doing Mm. I think the key word there you said about feeling alive and that's true as you're mm. doing it. So that's the complete recognition, isn't it? You know, going, yeah, if you're in an office space or in a, in a obviously I've just come back from the hospital again. Um, mm. my mom's in there at the minute. Um, but and it's like you don't you don't feel alive. There's not a thriving, there's not a flourishing, there's not a you don't feel you feel it's flat, it's 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 like a box, it's there's there's no life around you. Um, and then while you might not be able to put your finger on it, when you come out and you like, obviously the way I drive back is like lots of oh. trees and obviously it's autumn oh. now. So the lights, you know, and everything's changing. So it's it's just kind of a bit of life affirmation when you're coming back, you're like, oh, just yeah. And that deep breath. Yeah. 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 Really. yeah. So when we, we shut ourselves off from, from nature then, um, you know, when it, when it's, when we don't have, access to the natural world when we don't have you know visual references even like with pictures or whatever or sights Mm. and smells and sounds and you know what happens to us what do you what do you what happens to us well you know I think what happens to each person is different I mean I know for myself with this desire to feel alive um, and also to belong which I think is this deep human need to feel a sense of belonging and we live in a world where we're moving around a lot (laughs) you know I know I have um where we wonder do we belong do we matter and when we know in our deepest deepest being that we are essentially the earth in human form we cannot not belong that we are part of the earth's 4.5 billion year history we cannot not belong that actually we, if you go 13.8 billion years back to the flaring forth, the Big Bang, whatever people want to call it, is everything that comprises us was there. We cannot not belong. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's this deep, this knowing of that, 
changes the way we feel about ourselves and our own lives. At least it has for me. Mm. I am not inconsequential. You are not inconsequential. Mm. We matter. We we are matter. <laughs> we have meaning. Um, and that to me is the beginning of this return to this sense of purpose and passion and what are we here to do mm -hmm. if you just think if you're in an alienating world it's really hard to believe that you have a place or that you matter and I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question now to be honest Ness <laughs> yeah. I sort of seem to have gone off on this <laughs> tangent but maybe I am answering the question I'm not sure but but I do believe that it's really important to make this reconnection yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I normally ask at the beginning, but um, what what got you into the sort of to to nature and to sort of like you know resonating? Why did where where was that point? What happened to you, or what happened? What was was there a revelation, or or what was the what was the thing? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I like many children, I was sparked by nature, and yeah. like many people, I grew away from that. Um, and for me, I grew into alcoholism. So from the ages of about 16 to 27, I was a fearful alcoholic. Tremors, heart arrhythmias, blackouts. I mean, I, you know, being an all-in person, I went all in <laughs> <laughs> to the boozing. So I'm 27 years old. I'm terrified of living sober, but I've quit drinking and I'm walking on the bluffs above the Pacific Ocean in Marin County where I live on a really stormy day. And I'm kind of sweating and shaking and thinking, how do I do this? Mm. And I looked out at the ocean and I felt, I mean, it was just churning and chaotic. And I thought that's how I feel inside. And the next moment, this thought slipped into my brain. Yeah, but it's also really strong. And I thought, well, maybe I can be a complete mess and strong too. And I felt salt in my mouth and I didn't know if it was the ocean spray or my tears. And I just knew in that moment I was going to be okay. And that was almost 40 years ago. And that has been really true. But I felt this moment of deep kinship with this water, which is always, I mean, I cannot see a body of water without wanting to be immersed in it. Yeah. Um, that just supported me and spoke to me. And that there again was a kind of metaphor, right? A nature, a natural metaphor, but it meant so much to me that I took a meaning from it mm. that has served, you know, my greater good and hopefully therefore the greater good of, mm. you know, yeah. the greater whole yeah. um, from that incident um, mm -hmm. you know that sense of oneness with yeah. this wondrous amazing body of water and I think many of us feel it you know if we watch the sunrise or a sunset and suddenly there's a sense of awe mm -hmm. and we're a part of it I mean mm -hmm. this is the important thing to know mm -hmm. we're not discrete observers mm -hmm. we are part of this whole magical mysterious whole mm -hmm. and it's it's I don't know it's it's a perspective let's put it that way it's a powerful perspective mm -hmm. that's that's a wonderful way of putting it we're all part of that 
you know we are yeah yeah it's um I, I mean I I kind of I think we've we, like you say we've we've all had a profound connection yeah. to nature or have had an experience in nature and, and often it's come when there's been like tragedy or trauma or, or something and and just you sort of go to nature don't you you kind of or you find yourself being held by nature in some way if, if, you, if you want to sort of describe it in that way you know um like you say whether it's like yeah. in, the, in the rain and tears are falling but it's kind of mixing with the rain and it's just like you sort of feel part of it so um I, I think we've all even like you say just just looking at something that's really incredibly beautiful it makes your heart sing it makes you feel like you've come home it makes you feel right so, you know, it doesn't right. trauma. It can be a real positive, positive yeah. experience. Um, I was just going to ask yeah. you, you know, I mean, do you think there's enough nature connection in our built environment? I mean, do you think, do you think we're doing enough? Do you think there's, you know, more could be done or, or you know, like, like in healthcare or schools or education or, I mean, how, how can we, how can we bring more in? How can we connect these, yeah. how can we connect everyone more to, um, to feeling nature? Well, I, you know, I can't speak as, um, clearly about the UK now, because I haven't lived there for, for many decades, but in the US, especially in um, underserved communities, mm. there is no nature. Mm. Um, you know, there are kids who live close by where we are, just a couple of miles from the Pacific Ocean who have never been to the ocean. Mm. Um, the Their schools... Uh, look like prisons and in fact it's almost you know a school to prison pipeline yeah um the playgrounds are concrete um the streets around them are denuded of trees um and we wonder why there are problems in these communities mm. um and not to say that all the 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 problems are going to be solved by creating parks and so on and so forth um but a lot of them will be mm -hmm. safe places for people to play, to yeah. walk, to yeah. be in community with each other. Yeah. And so, no, that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface mm -hmm. of rewilding our spaces. Mm -hmm. um, there are pockets of good news, um, which is really good to hear, where there are actually places very close to where we are now where they are going into communities and they want to create parks and they're involving the communities with what they would like mm. to see in these places. They're not just coming in and plonking something down, but they're really, it's a community effort. So yeah, I think honestly, and it even, you know, the bigger thought that, that comes to me is why are we even striving so hard in all these schools and all these offices to do what? to add to you know the gdp to i mean eternal economic growth which is destroying the planet i mean it's just the whole the whole thing is so insane yeah. but nature is a disruptor mm. i mean that's what it does doesn't it because you you go on holiday you see people they go on holiday <laughs> and and they're almost frightened to in america people mostly don't take their holidays because if you get a chance to and be somewhere beautiful it makes you question everything mm. about how you're living your life mm. right so yeah that's that's really um that's a that's a profound thing to say um yeah i mean and you 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 do uh, you re you help people actually rewild themselves 
as well. So, I mean, I think it's kind of it's a nice sort of segue into into what you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, can you can sort of explain what that is, and then maybe you can kind of give us an example of where you've sort of witnessed this sort of change. Or quite, you know. Um, well, I'll talk maybe about a wild soul woman, which is a very specific way I've been working. But I've been working for several decades now with five earth archetypes, the deserts, forests, oceans and rivers, mountains and grasslands. So these landscapes reflect and mirror aspects of our own psyches and souls. So if I say to you, you know, you're a desert woman, which I don't think you are, Ness, but you may be, that we have aspects of all of them within us. Yeah. It's that deep, deep hunger for silence mm -hmm. and quiet and spaciousness, which is really hard to attain in a culture that would have us be forever fertile, fruitful, and productive, right? So what I do is I invite people into these deep archetypes to reflect on landscapes that hold profound wisdoms about who we are at our core beneath the enculturation of a patriarchal, hierarchical, um, capitalist society, right? Because it's really hard, as we know, when you're caught up in all of the goings-on of life, and most of us live in pressure cookers, right? Very hard. So just to take a breath, and in your imagination, even if you don't have access to trees, to shut your eyes and for a moment take yourself into the woodlands mm. and just note the change. And then note why, why forests work. Well, we know they communicate, they're collaborative, the, the greater the diversity, the stronger the system, the old trees feed the younger trees. There is a whole incredible system of being that is also who we are and so we can go in there and think yes you know it's actually it's okay I'm a little quirky and different because we need that diversity oh yeah I've moved all over the place for work but there is a place I can feel rooted where is that place so that's just really it's playful it's imaginative but it's also archetypal. Mm -hmm. So these landscapes are archetypes and archetypes live inside of us. So they begin to start stirring and sort of having a bit of a life of their own. And there's no prescription. I mean, people will respond to different ones differently. It'll open different things. But what I would say is that the one thing that remains true is the problems don't go away. You know, life doesn't, you know, but there is a deeper courage, creativity and authenticity in the way that we meet those things is that once we resource these archetypes, we begin to feel supported by this profound ancient primal wisdom. And I also talk about the archetypes as our ancestors. I mean, we emerge, we literally emerged out of these places. They are part of us. We are part of them. So we feel like the backing of the ancestors. 
yeah. Mm. It's, it's, um, I mean, that's it's, it's quite as as you were talking. I was thinking. Yeah, you know, obviously, I I put in images of nature into different environments, and you know, people select mm. different images of of um, you know, of what they want. And I've kind of done a bit of research. So from a different different perspective, but it's completely on the same par of what you're talking about. Because some people completely resonate with mountains or they resonate with forests. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's often somehow linked to their personality types. I mean, I've kind of sort of seen that there's a certain type of personality that goes for that certain type of photo or they'll go for flowers or they'll go for, like I say, woodland or they'll go for, you know, open space. or And it's like, that's quite, it's just find that quite interesting. And you mentioning that, that they, you know, the way you're, the way you're approaching it is that we, we find the space that we resonate with and then, I mean, I'm just, I'm just intrigued now. I just I want to know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to get your book. You'll get your book, actually. So people listening, um, Wild Soul Woman, the link is going to be on the thing. So Wild yeah. Soul Woman. Um, but I think that's, I think that's, I'm just, I find that really intriguing as a, as a kind of way of reawakening something in yourself. I mean, I know when you do meditation, you can kind of take yourself to your special place, can't you? But actually imagine taking yourself to a special place where it's actually, you know, is actually going to benefit you and heighten your your life journey as well so oh it's brilliant (laughs) so yeah and the other thing I would say about that I mean there's wonderful quote by Lawrence Durrell who says each landscape asks the same question I am watching myself in you are you watching yourself in me so there's this mirroring which is what I think you're talking about Ness of you know we see something of ourselves in a landscape or something we aspire to Mm. about ourselves in a landscape but the thing is to be whole, you know, if you're constantly mountain woman or mountain man, then, you know, there are times in our lives, but you may need the desert or the water. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? So it is, we are definitely more at home in certain places, which informs us so much. But then it also informs us when we go, oh, I don't want, yeah, that's not my place, right? It's like, oh, well, why? That's great. So what? what is that? You know, what are you not wanting to embrace? You know? that's, that's, that's fascinating. I suppose as well, designers listening to this would, would find that interesting because there's also a kind of trend and people talk about, and I mean, Nigel Osland has been talking about like the landscaped office, you know, kind of in creating mm. zones. And of course we talk about that in biophilic design mm. and being able to create, and there's even an extra, it's extra ammunition really, if you want to kind of create spaces that resonate differently to different personality types, you know, ultimately. And there's another way of looking at it, the, what, what you're doing. Yeah. That's actually really fascinating because you actually, or where you are in a project, mm. I mean, the first place is, probably to get the calm, the the quiet of the desert. But then the forest is very much an imagining, following all the threads of the trail. Then it's like, well, what is it you really long for in ocean? I mean, what is the, where's the passion? Where's the, where are you on mission? Where are you, you know, and so on and so forth. So I'm already, (laughs) 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 call me up somebody. I want to design this because it really each place and the grasslands is very much about mountain is about manifesting. It's a time when you kind of, okay, got to get it done. But then the grasslands is about community, is how do you put it out to community? How does it serve community? Mm-hmm. So it's very much that ending of a project where it's like, okay, now how how does it go out into the world? What does it change? How does it affect? So now I'm totally excited. 
<laughs> well, well, any designers listening who wants to do collaboration, give Mary a call. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I suppose if you're going to give someone a bit of advice, you know, obviously if people are listening to this and just like individuals on a completely individual mm. level, you know, they wanted to kind of take the first steps mm. to kind of really, really reconnect with their inner voice. I mean, what would you what would you tell them to do? Obviously, we tell them to buy your book, but you know, what is, is um, what would yeah. you what would you sort of say? Like, what you know, what would you kind of what would be the first sort of step or something that you would tell them to to kind of um to do? Yeah, I would just do a very simple exercise of um, inviting people to spend five minutes close to nature as close as they could be even if it's a plant in your house that's just fine be with it and and then reflect how do I feel now what are my thoughts now where in my physical body am I feeling the energy just a really simple thing so that you're essentially beginning to notice for example, you might notice, I'm looking at your beautiful plants behind you, that sitting with one plant has you feel different things and in your body, in your mind, your thoughts, than sitting with another one. Mm -hmm. And so you're just noticing, okay, there is something, some exchange, some relationship, some something communication, kinship going on here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel better or I feel... Um, a little nervous it, I mean whatever comes up you know just note it and try and make a practice of that you know five minutes two or three times a week and just see and then take it deeper and deeper mm -hmm. and so how does that how does that help you I mean do you do you, with, with that knowledge that you have then so say for instance I'm I, you know I might look at a plant and I might feel actually I feel quite empowered or you know I feel or I might feel you know, might be, might, might might bring up something that I'm like worried about or something. So what right. is that, what, what what would be the how would you use that as a kind of key for unlocking something? What I would use it as a key is to reflect on which it's this beginning of this process you were just talking about, Ness, of reflecting on which environments, which yeah. parts of nature, you feel the most invigorated, the most lively response. So if greenery lights you up, yeah. where can you get more of it? Where could, you know, where could you spend more time with it? Mm -hmm. um, and just to, to, and it's also developing this sense of awareness. You can't grow mm -hmm. if you're not witnessing and aware of what is happening to some extent the th there's this deep need to bear witness to who you are in your own life and so if you just oh yeah I had a great day yeah I was outside it was lovely um well that's wonderful but it doesn't grow you but if you have this experience and you go what did I feel? What were the feelings? What what happened? What changed for me? Mm -hmm. Then you begin this conversation of what is it I really need? What is it I really want? Who am I becoming? You know, so so there's this definite thing with using and writing and journaling 
that becomes this sort of reflection. You're reflecting on your own life. You're bearing witness to what serves you, what doesn't serve you, what grows you, what shrinks you, right? And you hopefully, like a plant moves towards the sun, you are then able to consciously, intentionally begin to move yourself to what brings you alive. That's that's, that's lovely. And I I think, um, obviously, designing environments where you then 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 makes that transition i suppose within yourself and empowerment within yourself easier then you're just going to grow and grow and grow presumably so well (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and not egoically i mean this is what we've been taught to grow right you know ego self and everything like that but I think when we really connect with nature and we realize that we're one mm. part of a much greater thing is we're consciously growing in a way where we're aware yeah. of our impact. Um, we're not taking up all the space because we know if you know a plant grew to be so ginormous, it would not be good for the rest of the plant so that there is a right size um, not in terms of spirituality or soulfulness, but in terms of you know, how we are in the world. And so it's a different kind of growth mentality. You know, we talk about growth all the time. (laughs) I think you've been hearing a lot about it in the UK recently, but it's not the kind of growth that we really need or want. Um, We need to grow souls. We need to grow souls. And souls, I believe, are deeply connected to the natural world. So we're embodied in the here and now. The soul is the part of us that is inhabiting this extraordinary body of ours within a sentient world. Um, And so the more we can connect with that, the more powerful um, the the healing, really. Yeah. I've um, I've just done a a podcast with um, uh, David Attenborough's uh, cameraman, one of of the guys that worked with him on... Um, on the life of birds and so um, Michael, most guy, guy called Michael Potts and really interesting um, are, you know it's just like I, I, you know one his job but you know we're, we're sort of talking about um, he was just telling about, about um, uh, a particular bird that builds its nest and, and puts all flowers and bright bright things in to attract you know to attract the partner yes and it's and it's like and he's done that it's like there's, there's a consciousness there there's a decision making consciousness and um and this is connected to what you're saying because, and it's like, you know, we talk about growth and I, you know, I mentioned the word grow, but actually it's, it's like a raise. It's just an awareness. It's like, it's almost like unraveling, un, unveiling an awareness within yourself to go, hang on a minute. We're all part of something and everything has, um, everything has a consciousness or an intent, you know, even a plant right. has an intent to grow towards the light. Right. Like mentioned. And, um, and I, and I and I'm I never made a, a sort of secret of it, but I, I really think that biophilic design in the built environment will help remind us that we are part of the whole world and the right. planet and the living um, uh, planet that we're on that will make us respect each other and the pl- and the plants and and you know the birds and the animals and the reptiles and everything else that we're mm-hmm. there, that we're you know one 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 sort of big soul if you want. <laughs> 
um but you yeah. know we're all, but we're just one part of of the same thing you know we all depend interdependent on on each other as well so but um but I, I really I really love I love I'm gonna have to get your book because it just just sounds great um I mean we could just talk a little bit about because we're getting quite very spiritual and stuff and it might some people might start turning off going oh they've gone mad people <laughs> down there but, um, but actually I don't think they will because I think they're understanding what it is yeah. it's about just actually this these this stuff this stuff is actually part of us whether we're a CEO of a company or whether we're the janitor um we're all resonant we all we all resonate with mm. um our environment and you know the things that are around us and we we need life around us um you know and whichever approach you take is the right approach so um so anyway so let's let's, let's talk about your book I wanted to want to talk about your book um can you, can you <laughs> where, where the idea of your book came from um and um and just a little bit about it as well obviously it's called wild soul woman um yes can I can I be very there she is there's her yeah so yeah actually I've been working with, with the earth archetypes for uh, several years in fact I have a previous book reclaiming the wild soul that was a journey through the earth archetypes and then an organization called tree sisters who are sort of an eco-fem um, organization that uh, encourage women's leadership but also the um, reforesting of the tropics. So they have this sort of dual mission. And uh, they asked me to teach a course on the archetypes. And I had this question is like, well, if I'm teaching to just women, what's that like? I mean, I already knew that women had a different experience of nature because of our cycles and our moon cycles and all of these things, right? physically we're very attuned you know our belly swell with these ancient oceans when we're pregnant all kinds of things so but what would it be like with the landscapes and what I found was this that working with these earth systems allowed women to separate themselves consciously and in many ways at first unconsciously with systems that support the feminine so it's really hard to heal within a system that actually is subjugating you and we live in a patriarchal system right so that has silenced and shamed women over many centuries mm. but once we take our conversations and our creativity and our imaginations out of that system and we began to bring them to these earth archetypes um everything changes and what changed in the process was these emerged not just as desert but as desert woman and what would a desert woman do and what would a forest woman do so it it became this really enlivening creative compelling authentic experience where women were beginning to find the courage to say things and commit to things that they hadn't been able to do prior because of this legacy of patriarchy but the thing is patriarchy can't stand in up to a legacy that is you know billions of years in the making you know these these landscapes hold much older much more profound prehistory wisdom so yeah it just it was it was quite extraordinary what emerged out of women and one of the things that I think is really important, particularly for women, because we've been silent somewhat, is that in my work 
we write and we speak out loud our writing and putting our voices into the world. You know, just literally doing that is so incredibly empowering. So yeah, so these were models of ways of being that lived outside of a system that does not necessarily encourage women into their fullness. Oh, that's beautiful. So, um, so people, wild soul woman, get the book. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add, Mary? Um, I could ask you a million questions. I mean, I could just keep. I, I you know, I didn't know whether this was an indulgence or anything, but I, I thought I, I might want to end our conversation with something I wrote a few years ago, but it's a kind of a dream for for what would be possible. Okay. And it's a sort of poem. Do you think that would okay. be? Yeah, I'm, I am going to ask you about, you know, if you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia. Is that's, that, is that going to That's pick... the answer. That's, that's the okay. answer. All right, then. Well, okay, this case... is the answer. Okay. Okay, well, this is the answer. That, so go for okay. it. Okay. I believe in wild language, in a world that talks of relations, not resources, citizens, not consumers, in gardens tended, food grown in our backyards, cultivation as a means of orientation. I believe in a world where Monsanto is banned, classrooms built of sky, earth, air, and English lessons that run to the tawny grammar of grasses. I believe in a world where rivers flow free, where technology is secondary, not primary, the wild song of the thrush in the woods at dawn and the singing of the stars in the night are cosmic creativity. I believe in the wild tongue, words with earthy roots shaped by the grandeur of cliffs, pulsing with a sense of place in poetry and prayer, music and myth, drumbeat and celebration, individuation that is not about separation. I believe in language hungry for connection, for stories not of what we know, but of who we are and can be. Stories that hold in their dark belly the seeds of a 4.5 billion year old earth still being birthed, an ancient energy, a new earth community, and all that is love and unity. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.